Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for that applause. Amen. Can we give the worship team a hand clap as well? Amen. I don't know if you've taken a look around in this place, but it's it's packed. And, uh, and I, I truly believe that God is doing something special in our church. I think he's, he's just, God wants to speak to people tonight, but he, he wants to change lives. He's not, in the, he's not in the business of just having a specific moment or a one-time moment with people. He is, he is very intentional about transformation. And in order to have transformation, there needs to be a consistent relationship with the Lord. And so this, this evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about that. I'll just tell you what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about um, two things, really, that, that connect to each other. I'm going to talk about excuses, and I'm going to talk about avoiding spiritual poverty. Because I think there's a lot of Christians walking around living Christianity, but not applying Christianity. I feel like there's a lot of Christians walking around that understand Christ to a degree, but aren't living for him. They're expecting Christ to have a moment with with them and maybe they're living life moment to moment with God. Meaning my spiritual impact is based on me having a God moment. And sometimes that could be uh, very specific. It could be something that maybe you're looking for God to touch you at the altar and you're crying. Or maybe you're, you're looking to hear God's voice. I'm not going to do anything until I hear his voice audibly. Or you're looking for a miracle, but you're not doing anything about it. You're kind of waiting on him. And I, when I think about that, I think about that are, those, are, those are the things that keep us in spiritual poverty. Because we live circumstance by circumstance. We live event by event. Rather than just saying, God, I love you. I'm going to worship you for the next five minutes when I wake up this morning. And you just go right into it. That's a relationship. See, when you live circumstance to circumstance, you're living God moment to God moment, you're expecting me to deliver something to you. When it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. See, when you live by these circumstances to circumstances, it's basically equivalent to you living paycheck to paycheck in life. You're just getting by. I'm just getting by. I got a church, but I'm just getting by. Or maybe you don't even, maybe you're not even serving in church or you're you're still kind of on, on this teetering thing. Well, you're living in spiritual poverty. See, we are supposed to be rich in faith. We are supposed to be rich in spirituality. And so this evening... I want us to just talk about and begin to examine, you being truthful with yourself, begin to examine the excuses that have limited your spirituality. So with that, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to hear your word. I ask you, Father, that you would just meet me here and that you would use me, Lord, that people would begin to hear your voice and not mine. Lord, that your spirit will begin to impact people here, Lord. And we pray as we read the scriptures, Father, that you would illuminate us. Lord, that you'd give us understanding, 
that it would speak to us and resonate with power in our hearts. And we just thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm very honored to be before you today. I, I honestly, Pastor Omar asked me to speak. I love my pastor. I want to thank my pastor and Sister Letty. Thank them so much for just trusting in me. I was excited to speak this message. And, and for some people, you probably don't know this, but it's, it's called Holy Week this week. And so in a, in a lot of countries, countries shut down. Unfortunately, not in America. Okay, they, but, but countries are like shut down, so not everybody's working. I, I do a lot of international business, and some people are just like, hey, I'm not working, leave me alone. And I'm like, well, I go to church all the time. I wish I didn't have to work. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's Holy Week. And, and if you didn't know, Holy Week is really the, the, the time where we begin to honor and reflect in the, in the events of the atonement and, and the triumphal entry, right? And then things coming, and, and Jesus' ministry kind of not coming to an end, but really beginning. But it's the atonement. It's where Christ, on, on Sunday, we're going to recognize this. We should recognize it every day, but we're going to recognize the atonement, Christ's resurrection from the grave. And so this is that Holy Week, and I was just so honored when I got asked to, to preach. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to preach on Holy Week. That's awesome. So I'm excited to be here today, but I, I really am going to talk about a difficult subject in hopes of challenging you this evening. It's not to say that I have everything together. It's not to say that I'm better than you, but rather I feel that God has positioned me to help challenge the church as much as I can. And so Francis Chan, he says this, in his book, The Letters to the Church, he writes this book and he says this, there are millions of people in our country who call themselves Christians because they believe the Christian life is about admiring Christ's example, not realizing that there is a call to follow that example. There are givers and takers in the church. I'm going to say that again. There are givers and takers in the church. Givers give their spirituality back to the church and takers sit there waiting for church staff to feed them. If you think that sitting back and letting the church staff feed you will bring you the most fulfillment, you are so wrong. Recently, I've been getting a lot of text messages in the past year and a half or so of people asking me, hey, this person said this on YouTube, please watch it and give me your analysis. First of all, I don't live that lifestyle where I'm some help desk for your spirituality all the time. <laughs> Second of all, I don't know what you think you're sending me, but I follow the Bible. When I know the Bible, and people come to me because I know the Bible. That's fair, but you can know the Bible too. It's there for you, written in every language on this earth. It's been there for centuries. It hasn't been proven. There's nothing new that's going to come out of this that you shouldn't already know. Yes, there's revelation. Yes, you can realize things, but the text and the words don't change. But on YouTube, somehow they do. And so people will begin to come to me and say, look, I want to understand this more. Can you please analyze it? And I'll ask them, why are you looking at this? Is it because it we're not helping you in church enough, therefore you got to go on YouTube. And what did you do when you, or what, what did God say when you prayed to him about this? Or when you read the scriptures that this person is quoting? Well, I didn't do that. Well, there's a problem there. 
Because now you're asking me to do something that you didn't want to do. And so I think that's where people begin to fall into this trap and they're saying, look, I am going to live by this excuse. I don't know enough about the Bible, therefore I'm going to ask somebody that does. When in reality, you should be picking this up and trying to figure it out. See, I'm in the business, if you didn't know, I'm, I'm a teacher. Not just a preacher, but I teach. I love to teach, and we're, we're starting Reach Bible Institute next week, 7 p.m. on Tuesdays in the cafe. Free teaching, free word, free donuts, free coffee. Okay, we're going to have... We're going to have a good time. I'm going to teach on first and second Timothy. We're going to go through that. It'll be six weeks. I want to encourage you to be there. But I love teaching God's word. I feel like I'm called to teach God's word. And so when I look at it, though, I, I really want you to understand we're really all called to understand God's word. Yes, you may not have a microphone and speaking from the, you know, a platform or anything like that, but you are supposed to understand his word. It is not that difficult. So therefore, when things are thrown in front of you, you can decipher it rather than letting excuses lead us into spiritual poverty. And I think some of us are saying, well, I'm too evil to read God's word. Therefore, I am not going to do it. I'm not holy or I'm too busy to read God's word. You know, I'm busy too. I'm very busy. And I still have time. You know, you got to make time to read God's word. And I think that's just one excuse. I want you to examine the excuses in your life. But I just think that's one. We find reasons to not read his word or reasons why we downplay why I don't know something. And so while I sit here and I tell you these things, I want you to understand that all of us are living to serve God. Most of us here are, are living to serve God. You're sitting here on a Wednesday night after work, probably tired, hungry, grumpy. You probably had to deal with people that you didn't want to deal with today. But you're here. But you made it. But you could be sitting here kind of in poverty, waiting for me to give you something special. And that's not what this is about. See, I, I can tell you a lot of great things. I can get you excited about scripture. But I always tell my wife this, look, I could show a horse to water, but I can't make him drink. And it's the same with you. you I could show you these things. I could show you how to fish. But are you really going to go fishing? Are you really going to go telling people about Jesus? Are you really going to go learning more about his word? Or are you just going to rely on this platform and the things that are just said from here? I remember one time, I was around 20 years old. I'm 21, I'm turning 21 later this year. <laughs> I, I was about 20 years old. I had found this church, I think when I was 19, maybe, yeah. And so... I started in a connect group and I would go to connect group and I would love it every Friday night. And little did I know, it was slowly changing my life. Had no idea. They tricked me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I started to, to worship God. I started to learn about his word and then they divided us. Meanest thing ever. I loved my connect group leader and then they divided us because we got too big. And so I had to go to another kind of, then they divided us again, like less than a year later. I'm like, what's going on here? This is very nomadic. I'm just kind of wandering in this church. 
And so they divided again. And then I had to go with somebody else. And I learned quickly, though, like, you know, because I was in this, this feeling of, you know, what should I do? I lost my connect group leader. Woe is me. And, you know, how am I going to grow now? You know, who, who else is going to teach me? Who's going who's gonna to guide me through things? And, and I kept kind of being a victim. And I was like, well, this is, this is terrible. I, I just keep being this victim. And I was really relying on someone to teach me things. And so I began to question the structure of, of why, I, why the church had this structure. And little did I know, I, I started to like read the Bible for myself. And started to learn, started to learn how to teach. I became, I fell in love with scripture. And I realized that, look, I'm not serving man or I'm not here to listen to man. I'm here to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm here to listen to his word. I'm here to listen to these things, not just follow a man. I'm telling you, you're not supposed to follow me. You're supposed to follow Christ. And when you don't do that, when you don't rely on the Holy Spirit, you start to fall into a little pit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. A lot of, how many, raise your hand if you're smart in here. Okay, we got two people that are really smart in here. Look, I'm not being dishonest with you, so be, be honest with me, okay? All right, so we're humble. Right after what I just said. Raise your hand if you're smart. Everyone's hand should be up, come on. You got, a, you got, a, you got Jesus in you, okay? Don't let those insecurities keep your hands down. All right, don't let those insecurities keep your hands down. But you got to understand, we're pretty smart. How many are street smart? Say, yeah, I'm Rob. I'm street smart. I'm not smart, book smart, but I'm street smart. Right? Street smart, everybody's, every guy in here is street smart. Right? On our block. Never mind there's a billion blocks in Los Angeles. Again, but you know what that is? It's human wisdom. Human wisdom starts to grow in our lives. We get get older, we get smarter, we get wiser. We learn things. Some of us are very studious. Some of us learn things out of the experiences we go through. Right? And, and, And life teaches you these things. But you know what that turns into sometimes? That turns into an excuse. I don't need to trust in God. I already know how this is going to go. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to my parents about wisdom. I'm going to talk to my tia Concha. I'm going to talk to her. She's smart. Right? And so what we do is we start running. Right? We start running to our friends, our family, rather than seeking wisdom from Scripture. Rather from seeking the Word of God. And this human wisdom can be, 
you know, it can lead us in the wrong direction. You want to know why? Because you have emotions. That's another excuse. I don't feel like going to church. Well, that's really emotional. Just that whole sentence in itself is emotional. I don't feel. If you don't feel in church, then you're looking for something else. You're looking for a hit or something. Don't, don't compare God's glory to, to a nice high out of that you would get in the streets. Let me tell you, the, the best euphoric feeling you could get is Christ's love. That's why you see people jumping up and down, raising their hand in worship. If you notice, if you notice our altar's packed. Not many people are in their seats during worship. We haven't even read God's word yet. People are coming in, filling the altar. And it's because they've, they've, they've had a feeling and a touch from God. And so that keeps them going. See, there's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting thing in, 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 in the context of Joshua and the conquest. If you guys know that story, the book of Joshua. Joshua begins to lead the Israelites. But there's a moment where Joshua, like, he dies because he's human. He's no longer there. And the Israelites are like, whoa, what's going on? Dude, he's, he's gone. We had Moses. We had Joshua. Well, who's next? What's going to happen? We're gonna, look, this is what happens. I'm going to read it to you. It, in, uh, in Judges chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Well, praise God. <laughs> I'm, hope, I'm hoping I can hit half of that, right? Verse 9 says, And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger and because they forsook him and served Baal and the asterisks, in this anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around. Whom they, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. So God had warned them in the past, listen, if you're not going to follow me, don't expect blessings from me or for me to help you. It was simple. God was expecting his people to begin to follow him, to live in obedience. But what ended up taking place is it began to fall away. See, we can avoid spiritual poverty in our life when we honor God. We take a moment to just honor him. Say, Lord, I'm going to pray, not because I'm going through something, but I'm going to pray because I'm going to honor you this morning. So how do we honor him? We honor him through our lifestyle, our legacy. The Bible, the scriptures I just read to you said, plain and simple, that when Joshua began to pass away, that they didn't begin to work that new generation. 
They didn't begin to influence that new generation. They didn't begin to speak life into the new generation. The new generation didn't see God. They had no idea who he was. They didn't understand the history that brought them through the 40 years of Egypt, all the blessings that came behind that, all the rescuing that the Father gives us. They did not see that. So this new generation grows up and they defile God. They defy him. They don't even follow him. And so God says, because this generation does not worship me, because this generation does not honor me, I'm going to give them in the hands of their enemies. How many want to be in the hands of their enemies tonight? Thank God nobody raised their hand. Not me. I don't like my enemies, even though I'm told to love them. But again, it's one of those things where you have to understand when you have, you have to honor God. That doesn't mean sleeping around. That doesn't mean you going and going to the bar, getting lit up or, you know, shooting up something. There has to be a consistent honor that takes place in your life. I'm not downplaying a spirit of addiction. I believe in that. But you have more willpower. You have more power. When you begin to honor him, call upon him, you have that power. The other thing that scares me is one of my greatest fears is that my kids grow up without, no, with, without knowing the Lord or not wanting him. Parents, I'm speaking to you. We got to be able to instill these things into our kids, not expecting just the children's church to do it. Can we have a hand clap for the children's church, please? Well, that's why I take my kids to church. They should be teaching them all that in there. What am I speaking to you about today? You got to do it. Stop making excuses that are going to lead you to spiritual poverty. And then that becomes generational. Because your kids are watching you. They're looking and they're seeing what you do. They're seeing how you react. When you go through things at work or at home or with family, they're watching you. You know? You're at a party or something, cousin's drinking a little too much, you get into a fight. Your kids are watching you. Have some maturity. Have some spiritual maturity in your life. And so, again, we have to do these things. We have to honor God all the time. See, I think a lot of us, what ends up happening is you feel God is not with you because he's not meeting your expectations. Well, he's not meeting my expectations, therefore, you know, I'm not going to meet his See, we're not created to have God meet our expectations, but we're supposed to meet his expectations. You got it backwards, right? And then we get spiritual ADD. We go to YouTube. We start finding things, new teachings that don't make any sense. And you say, look, you're doing everything but reading God's word. You're doing everything. You're looking on the internet for answers. God's word has all the answers. I remember one time, I think I've told this story before. I've been here so long. I'm getting old. I was in youth ministry here. I was a youth leader, not a youth pastor. And so I was a youth leader, and so I would help the youth pastor with whatever he wants. And, you know, I played good cop, bad cop, you know, and he'd have me preach. It was just an amazing time of development for me, but also the kids that were there. And so I remember one time, we were going through revival, man. People were... Every Friday, I think it was on Friday nights, every Friday night, the Spirit of God would fall, man. I would look for it, forward to it all week. See what happens with these kids. 
What's God going to do with these kids? And man, people are like repenting. We're talking full repentance. I mean, true revival, full repentance. Kids telling us deep, dark things and just, you know, trying to expose sin and just really just going for it, man. And so they'd be, every, you know, every Friday night it was a tearjerker and I was a, kind of the head usher at the same time. So I had to get a bunch of tissue boxes. <laughs> Fill up my trunk with tissue boxes, man. Kids are crying. You know, there's mocos everywhere. You know, it was powerful, and it was actually in that back area right there. There used to be a wall right here. So we'd have it in that back area, and there would just be a move of God going through these kids. Just so you know, some of these kids are pastoring now. That's what God does. God begins to move that way, impacting them young, and they live their life for God. And so they would have these, we would have these emotional moments and then it kind of stopped after a while. We're like, hey, you know, I just, it became a problem. It was like, you know, the spirit of God just isn't falling like it used to. And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's not as emotional. And we're like, yeah, you know, I just don't feel God anymore. I said, no, 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 that's not, you got it mixed up. See, you're thinking God is, is, is every time you get emotional. That's not, that's not what this is. That was a season. That was a time of building. That was a time of breaking. And it's okay to have those times. Men, it's okay to cry. Okay, when God's trying to break you down, he's trying to tear you down a little bit, that's okay to cry. It's gonna happen anyways. You're just, you're just delaying the inevitable. Okay, if you're gonna go all in, go all in. Let him break you down. And so... I, I tried to tell these, you know, I tried to tell them early on, look, it's not, you know, it's not about emotion. It's not anything like that. You just need to talk to God. And if you could talk to God, you could be honest with him and you could start asking him what he has planned for your life. And you begin to just develop this prayer life. God will be with you always. That's what I learned in that season. Didn't have to be emotional. It didn't have to be a packed altar. It didn't have to be an amazing sermon. It didn't have to be any of those things. It didn't have to be a long, drawn-out worship service or anything like that. It doesn't have to be forced. It just has to be you. See, you can avoid spiritual poverty when you talk to God and you break that silence. Because we think, oh, God's not listening. I haven't heard anything from him. No, you need to break the silence. You start talking to him. Well, I've been talking to him for years. Yeah, you're going to wait a lot longer too. Because he's infinite. We're finite. He doesn't work on your time. But he's hearing everything you're saying. I remember one time I was, I was applying for the job I have now. I've had it for a long time now. And I was getting to know my boss. So he took me, well, he was actually like kind of poaching me within the company. And he said, look, let's go for an interview. I go, okay, so we go to Starbucks. I mean, I couldn't turn that down. And no, he starts going, he starts talking to me, and he, he asked me, and, and you probably, those of you who have been interviewed, you've probably been asked this, how do you deal with stress? I looked at him, and I go, prayer. <laughs> I go to church a lot. Well, how much? I say, I go to church like three times a week. Oh, wow, that's a lot. I go, yeah, I go to church a lot. That's how I deal with stress. And I think a lot of people forget about that. I think our kids forget about that. I think our kids forget about the, hey, you know, you can go to God. You don't have, you know, yes, come to me, but you can go to God, sweetheart. 
You could talk to him. You feeling overwhelmed? You could talk to him. Break the silence. You know, there's a moment in, in one of my favorite miracles that took place in the New Testament. There's a moment in John chapter 5 I'm going to read through. And, and, uh, and, and I was reading it, getting ready for this sermon. And something huge dropped, out, dropped on me. And I'm going to share it with you. In John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read, I'm going to read it to you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Verse 6 goes on to say, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It's an interesting response. Let's go into verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me to pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning. I'm going to say it again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, I told you I, I stumbled on something heavy here. Let me tell you something about this scripture I just read to you. There's two points I want to make. The first point is one that you probably didn't pick up on, or maybe you saw it. But there is no verse 4 in what I read to you. Go straight from verse 3 right into verse 5. Skips verse 4. I had no idea this, I had no idea this ever happened. So you can imagine me on Tuesday night like looking through this, like, oh my God, why is that not there? What is verse 4? Why is it not in my Bible? It turns out that some early manuscripts, if you went to Reach Bible Institute, you know what that is. Early manuscripts omitted verse 4. So verse 4 is not there, but it is in some publications of the Bible. Believe it or not, the New King James Version has verse 4 in it, and I'm going to read that to you. So here's what, it, here's what verse 4 says. I'm going to start. I'm going to read verse 1 in the New King James Version and go right into verse 4. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of water. For an angel, verse 4 says, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease they had. So I'm going to ask the media team if you could put that picture up. So this is a picture of Jesus. And you could see 
what's happening here is you see this lame man here. He's kind of there. He's in the dark. You can't really see his face. Jesus is kind of talking to him. Looks like he's addressing him. But you could also see this guy. He's kind of waiting, right? So what ended up taking place is that what people would do is they would gather around this pool. And they would know that it was a pool of healing. So people from all over would come to this pool and they would literally wait till the pool start to bubble a little bit or get stirred up. And then everybody would rush into this pool and expect the healing. Those that lived with infirmity, those that lived a little disabled or have some kind of disablement. They would try to jump into that pool for the healing. This man said, I couldn't do it fast enough. So I never received my healing. And so rather, what people would rather do is that they would sit there and wait for an event. They would sit there and wait for something just to begin to get stirred up. And then they would jump in. In other words, they weren't living a spiritual life. They were waiting for something physical to take place. And so they're not living in a faithful way. Rather, they're waiting for an event to take place. And they would sit there waiting for their healing. They would sit there waiting for it. When God is saying, look, I can bring healing. Jesus says, pick up your mat. Do you want to get well? Don't wait for some event to take place. Do you want to get well? Then pick up your mat. In other words, he's challenging us with faith. If you think that, you, that we're going to wait or you're going to wait for me to, you know, juggle 15 plates to try to get you saved, that's not what we do at this church. We're not going to have pyrotechnics. We're not going to have all these things taking place so you could think it's some move of God. It's not an event. It's not an event. What it is, it's, it's a relationship and it's faith. And based on your faith is going to determine that, relation, that relationship moving forward. So God is looking for people that aren't looking for an event. That aren't looking just for a moment. That say, hey God, I haven't heard your voice in a while. Hey God, I haven't had a preacher tell me what to do in a while. Or there hasn't been any great preachers in this church, so I'm gonna go find another one. You know, my connect group leader, he just doesn't cut it. You know, he's not perfect. So I'm going to go find the perfect one. He's not waiting for that. Pick up your mat. I'm going to ask you, do you want to get well? I've had people come up to me. Hey, I, wanna, I want you to pray for me. I'm going through this, going through that. Yeah, have you fasted yet? No. Well, do you want to get well? Uh, no, I just want you to pray for me. I don't think I can fast. Like, do you want to get well? Or how about this one? Hey, like, um, I'm going through a lot. I, I'm going through stuff. And, you know, I've been watching online for a while. I get this one a lot. I've been watching on, online for a while, and I'm just going through a lot. And I'm wondering if you could just, you know, if you could just pray for me. But yeah, but are you going to come back to church? Well, I don't, I, you know, are you just going to stay online? No offense to our online viewership. Thank you for joining us this evening. <laughs> to my online viewership, do you want to get well? Religion isn't online. It doesn't work that way. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be candid with you all. If you really want to get well, you're going to do the things of God. 
People want to, people want to talk, they want, they want advice, they want, but do they really want to, do you really want to get well? Because if you want to get well, it's going to take some things. Number one, it's going to take faith. All right, the other thing, it's going to take obedience. See, this man would have not got healed without obedience. So we need to stop making excuses not to be obedient. But we find every excuse in the book, church, every excuse in the book to not come to church, to not be here in person. My favorite, my favorite excuse. I'm gonna call you out. I'm tired. Well, you're gonna come to church and sit here anyways. You don't do nothing. You act like we're gonna do like, you know, we're gonna bench press together. You may lift your hands, is that too much for you? I'm tired, so I'm not going to church. Man. If you're sick, stay home though, all right? Don't get anybody sick. But that's, that's my favorite one. I'm tired. Well, I'm tired too, I'm tired today. But you know what, and, it's just, and people don't like this because it's cliche, but the kingdom is won by tired people. I don't care if that's cliche, I just think it's true. It takes work, man, to serve God. Nowhere did Jesus say this is going to be easy. Nowhere did it say, oh, you're just going to get a healing. I've seen people get miracle healings, man, and not come back to church. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I sat there and prayed with you. I've sat there and prayed. I, I had tears for you. We cried together. You cried. You had moments with God. And now you're going to turn your back on him? Some of you in here, that's happened to you. But God is trying to bring you back. Stop waiting for a sign in the physical rather than living in the spiritual. Putting your faith first. Excuses, man. We come up with so many of them. So many reasons not to come. And, and you know, I, I, just think, I just think a lot of us have to take an assessment in our own lives. And I like to do this every now and then. I am telling you that I am not perfect. But I am telling you to measure yourself according to God's word. Measure your obedience according to the obedience that's mentioned by Christ's mouth. By his words, that obedience. You have to be really obedient, church. The standard is high. We were joking at work yesterday, or the other day. I shouldn't, this is online, right? Well, I believe my coworkers are going to watch one day, amen? And they said, hey, uh, you're going to have to get them in. We're just joking around, right? They're telling me that I'm going to have to get somebody into heaven. So I told them, hey, listen, I got you. Don't worry about it. And so I said, so I, I did this whole thing like, hey, St. Peter, listen, I know so-and-so, I, I just really think he's misunderstood, but he loves, he loves the Lord. He loves him. And, and, and you know what I'm asking you, can you, I'm going to come in, but can he come in with me? Can he come in? He could stay with me. He could stay with me. He doesn't need his own mansion. He didn't earn it. Between you and I, he did not earn it. But he could, stay, he could stay with me. All right, we'll let him in. Don't tell him anything because he's going to feel bad. 
but we'll let him in. Let me tell you something. Nobody can get you in. Nobody. Nobody can get you in. Don't, don't rely on mom and dad. Don't rely on your brother and sister that are serving the Lord in the church. Tia Concha, she can't get you in. Nobody. Nobody can get you in. So I continued on with the skit. And then I turned into Peter. And I go, well, listen here, Rob. I understand that this person that you're talking about loves the Lord. And maybe we misunderstood him. But I've never heard his name in my life. And I said that to the individual we were talking about. I, I don't think there's a relationship there. So how can we get him in if we can't write his name in the book? Make sure God knows who you are. I know he knows the hairs on your head. I believe in that scripture. Okay, don't, don't say blasphemy. Okay? But do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with him? See, you need to understand that God's power can get you through anything in life. You just got to stop making the excuses. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus gives us a story, this parable. I'm not going to lie to you, it's scary. And I want you to understand the reality of this scripture. Because this is how Jesus sees humanity. In Luke chapter 14, verse 15, I'm going to read a chunk of scripture to you. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. But they all like began to make excuses. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, we need to pray for their marriage. Verse 21 says, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. See, I, one of my greatest fears, I'm, I look at this and I, say, I see that I can have all the excuses in the world to not serve God. I can have all the excuses in the world to not lift my hands because I'm tired or because my relationship with the Lord isn't good enough. I can have all these excuses, but what scares me the most is that these people that had the excuses in this parable, they weren't able to dine with, with them. In other words, they missed their opportunity. See, I'm a firm believer that you can miss your opportunity with the Lord. Even though you're living moment to moment, that excuse 
can amputate your faith. That excuse can amputate your relationship with the Lord. Maybe that excuse is sin. Most likely it is. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it is a feeling. Maybe you're battling depression and anxiety. There's no other way to get well than to pick up your mat and go. You have to just go. You have to live your life like Jesus is inside of it. You have to live your life like he's going to do something. Not live your life just kind of passively. Saying, God, I'm going to wait till something bad happens because then I know I'm going to need you and I'll call upon you. Stop making excuses because you're going to miss your opportunity. You're going to miss your calling. See, God wants to be honored. He wants to see your obedience. It's not that you're a bad person. It's just that the standard is high. It's very high. See, excuses are great at missing the best opportunities in your life, but we still look for them. We look for excuses more than we look for Jesus. We're more obedient to sin than, we're, than we are to worshiping him. I love what my pastor said the other day. He says, sin that is exposed and confronted is sin that is defeated. In this church, we expose sin. You want to defeat sin in your life? You need to expose it. What you do in secret says a lot about you. It says a lot about your spiritual walk. It says a lot about how much you love the Lord. But it's going to take work. When we tell you to worship, we mean it. We tell you to read your Bible, we mean it. We tell you to give God praise, you do it. You have to, you have to implement these things into your life. So I, I wrote these things. I'm going to close with this. Stop waiting and start praying. Start being grateful and confident of your faith. Stop listening to others' excuses thinking it's okay. In other words, comparing yourself. Just compare yourself to the Lord. Stop adopting other people's excuses as your own. Stop using your church experience as an excuse to not serve God. Stop waiting for other people. Stop waiting for somebody else to repair the relationship in church. Sometimes we fight with each other and you guys just let it happen. You never fix it. You just allow that bitterness to grow. See, I think excuses are a giant in people's life and that giant puts you right into spiritual poverty. So this evening, I'm gonna ask that you just bow your heads for a moment. See, I think God is, 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 I think God is just doing more church than trying to show you his son. And I think he's doing more than just trying to, to show you what Easter is about or what Holy Week is about. What he's trying to do is he's trying to grab you and tell you to come and follow me. But it is going to come at a cost. It's going to come at a cost but there's a better prize at the end.
There's a better answer at the end. Life is throwing so much at a lot of us. Distraction, excuses, sin. But honestly, you'll never be able to overcome these things unless you follow Jesus. This is a holy week. This is a week where our Savior rose from the grave. Death could not keep him down. And as we reflect on that, as we reflect on the events of Holy Week, I want you to understand that excuses, sin, all that's defeated. But it's going to take you having faith to overcome these things that you're holding on to in life. I'm not talking about, oh, just heaven and hell. Yes, that's part of it. But I'm talking about a better life because serving God is just better. It's just better. When you serve God and you're obedient to Him, everything starts to fall in place. You almost don't even need to ask Him. These things just start to happen. God knows what you're going through, but He's waiting for you to be obedient. He's not some genie where you rub the lamp, He's going to come out and wait for the wishes. That's not what He's there for. He's actually just looking for obedience. He's looking that you would honor Him in your own life. That's what he's looking for. It wasn't until I understood this that my life began to change. And it's impacted me. I'm not sharing this to Bose. I'm sharing my experience with you. I'm not lying to you this evening. My life's changed because I came to these realizations. And I'm only hoping that through this sermon, you can have the same experience that I had. Where I said, God, I trust you with everything. I'm going to remain obedient. I'm going to expose sin in my life. And I'm going to recognize you through this process. Every step of the way, I dedicate my life to you. See, it's not just saying, Lord, I want to invite you to my heart. That, no, no, that's not it. What we want you to do is tell the Lord, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Listen to those words. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Meaning nothing else is as important as him in your life because the end result is hell that's what it's going to take no one can get you in but Jesus no one but Jesus thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount to stay connected with us follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount to give and support this podcast and ministry visit our website at reachparamount.com give